thank you for joining us here today. This is your co-host, The Grizz, hosting today's Bombercast after a pretty devastating loss yesterday. And uh, to make it all a little bit better, I've got my normal co-host back with me for this week. I've got Bonta34. How are you going, Bonta? That game yesterday was uh, quite the heartbreaker. Yeah, I'm not sure if you're too happy to have me back because the weeks I've been missing have actually been winning. So it's maybe uh, maybe maybe a curse. Maybe we should just yeah. Drop well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about that earlier today as I was sort of looking over everything and I thought, you know what, they've actually managed to have a few wins and, and Grizz has been able to chat about some victories and some more positive stuff. And then, then I make a comeback and, and yeah, we lose in what is, can only be described as the most heartbreaking of fashions. Oh, I go after the siren. We have form, don't we? Losing games after the siren. You think of, you know, the Dane Rampy goalpost and... Gary Rowan throwing, you know, uh, Martin Gleeson a suplex down in Sydney. <laughs> we have form of weird after the siren finishes, but we'll start the podcast in probably talking about the thing that everyone wants to talk about um, from yesterday, which is um, that last minute. My my tendency is to look at the whole last ten minutes. I think at one stage with ten minutes ago, we were leading contested possession, you know, 108 to 70, something like we had a 35 plus advantage or something contested possession. And we're up by three goals. And then by five minutes left that the scores are basically even and the contested possession differential is basically the same. So I felt like the rot set in long before that last minute, but what were your impressions? My thoughts was, yeah, you know, Jones should have kicked the goal, but it's what came after that was particularly heartbreaking. Yeah, look, Harry Harry will probably have a few restless nights this week, I'd say, because it was a it was a fairly bread and butter style kick for him. But you know, yeah, I mean, Collingwood uh, they 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 kicked you know four goals in seventeen minutes, and, and we put you know a point on. So you can't really say that it comes down to that la- that sort of that Jones kicking. And it, you can't really even say it comes... I mean, I, I know the, the kick after the siren hurt, but there was a lot leading up to that stage that gave them that opportunity. I thought we came out and actually started that last quarter really well. I thought we started really positively. Guelphie scored that goal. You know, Durham scored the behind. I think Stringer scored it behind that, you know, probably... In hindsight, he probably should have looked for a better option than, than, his, than his flying ping at goal. But, you know... He, if he kicks that, which let's be honest, probably six or seven times out of ten he does kick it, we considering the hero. And then after that, I think I, I think we went to our shells just a little bit too much. I, I think we started just kicking long down the line, which is what sort of Collingwood. It's their bread and butter. With, with Darcy Moore behind the ball, they, they love it if you just kick it long down the line, and that's what sort of what we started doing. And as a result, you know, they 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 just they were getting the ball coming back inside and just burning us on the turnover. Yeah, I think when Collingwood evened up the contested possession in the clearances, which is what they did with about 10 minutes left in that fourth quarter, the game turned because our hold over them was in the clearances. And if we could get it forward and score quickly, which we're doing basically from the second quarter through to 10 minutes into the fourth, we were quite comprehensively beating them in that area. But as soon as they sort of, they didn't even beat us, they sort of just broke even and their superior sort of positioning around the ground and that fleet of intercept defenders, like it's, it's more, it's Jeremy Howe, it's Jack Crisp, you know, Nathan Murphy, who I think is a really underrated player. Um, he's come in leaps and bounds this year, just pick you off. And, and they did their homework on Peter Wright, who kicked a snag, but didn't have a huge influence on the game and forced us into other areas. And we look good when we're hitting up short targets and moving the ball by hand, but, 
you know, we sort of intimated last week, it'd be interesting to see how our game stood up to pressure. And in that first quarter, it just didn't. We went to water under Collingwood's sort of press and their ability to intercept. Whereas when the game was on our terms, in terms of clearances, we played better. I, I do want to talk about that last minute because much has been, much has been said about it. <laughs> um, in the last 24 hours through the media, there's been, you know, questions of leadership issues, questions of, coaching questions of the players and their attention to detail my my tendency is to think that we broke down into the four key areas in that last minute i'll go to you what was your impressions in that last minute of play where do you think we went wrong well look i'll start off by saying that you know i think david king's analysis and there's a lot of people that are currently patting him on the back for that analysis is a very shallow analysis and actually doesn't make a great deal of sense i think mm. david king tried i think he tries to shoehorn scenarios into his opinion he, he he makes his opinion and then and then tries to find a way to shove the footage and what he sees into that opinion he actually doesn't make an opinion based on what he's seen i i think he does the other way around i think he does his opinion and then tries to tell us why his opinion's right and i and i think his opinion's horribly wrong at this stage because he's talking his key his key point and first of all one of his key points was but you know Heppel didn't didn't show any leadership in that last minute before somebody actually pointed out to him Heppel wasn't even on the ground so <laughs> you know it's a little bit hard to take him seriously a little bit hard to, t- to take oh, oh, whatever that Fox footy show was um first, first on, crack first, first crack first crack first crack it was, it was a little a little hard for me to take them seriously when they're taking pot shots at Heppel for his lack of leadership on the ground and the bloke sitting on the bench I mean that clearly there's a reason that that he didn't set up the the game and 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 the reason Heppel was on the bench was he had been on the ground for like the, I think someone said he played the last 60 minutes of actual game time so he clearly needed a rest and, and more to the point there's a lot of criticism about the speed of Heppel so do you really want someone like Dyson Heppel being in that setup late in the game I don't know that's that's another you know that's another question I, I think it's just a way of kicking Dyson while he's down a little bit again I think people are just kicking him no matter what but David King's point was that Zach Merritt Dylan Shield and Andrew McGrath um, and I think he even may, may have mentioned Jai Caldwell which trying to put you know a leadership tag on a second year Jai Caldwell who's really it's only his first year because last year was a bit of a write-off he's also a little bit ridiculous um, he said oh you know they were hanging around in the middle of the ground, ready to celebrate with Harrison Jones. They weren't set up, which which is just complete crap because they were all on a, they were all on an opponent. So yeah, I, I saw that. So when I was watching I, yeah. David King's seg- se- uh, segment, I was watching to see where they were, and they were all within two meters of a Collingwood guy. Yeah, and they so, were fifty, so what- and they were fifty meters out from goal. And history says if you need a quick goal from a kick in, where's the ball going? Straight yeah. down the middle That's- of the ground. Absolutely right. So nine times out of 10, that ball goes straight down the middle, right to where our leaders are standing, which is what David King says, you know, oh, well, they should have been spread out more. But that's just ridiculous. Because if they'd been if they'd been guarding space, if they'd set up a zone, I'd have agreed with him, but they didn't. They were man on man. And at the end of the day, look, I don't want to shit on Braden Ham because I don't think you can put this whole de- whole loss down to that last minute. I think there's moments leading up to that. And I think, you know, the six goals that we conceded in the first quarter also contributes heavily to the, to the <laughs> loss, but he just, he made a silly error. He left his man to try and get to a contest. He was never going to impact. And as a result, the ball got over the top to his man in acres of space. He was then able to go down. But then you've also, the other thing about the whole setup is Jamie Allen took that mark between two Essendon players. Now that mark, oh. that ball, that ball should have been killed. There's, there's no disputing that. That's an entirely different issue. But the fact that he took the mark between two Essendon players demonstrates to me that we were set up behind the ball. Just because 
they made a skill error in not killing the ball doesn't mean that the structure was wrong. Yeah. But I mean, so I look at it and go, look, I actually think we were set up. I actually think we did the right thing. It was just a couple of brain farts by some players. And that, and that, and that comes down to, you know, just, just pressure. That just comes down to, as you sort of said before, when we've got the, but the, the play on our terms we were fine, but under pressure, we sort of went to water. And then that's just what happened. Under pressure, they just cracked a little bit, but it doesn't come down to, for mine, it doesn't come down to coaching or structure. I think the coaching and structure clearly worked. It was just the execution by a couple of players just fell away. And 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 I don't see how you can pin that back on, on coaching or leadership because I don't think Truck or anyone would have said to Braden Ham, leave your man to try and impact a contest you can't get to. And they, you know, wouldn't have said to Kyle Langford, don't kill the ball. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just... Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So my thing on this is that four there were four really bad mistakes in that sequence of play, right? And if I can step through it, the first was Peter Wright didn't get back off the goal line quick enough. So as soon as the ball hit the post, you could see Darcy Moore absolutely hair off um, to about thirty-five meters from goal, and Scott Pendlebury saw him and kicked it there straight away. Peter Wright was too slow to realize where his man, Darcy Moore, was going. As soon as the ball hit the post, he needed to turn around and look for where Darcy Moore was. And he was five metres behind the goal line. So he gave Moore like a 10-metre leg rope, which he was never going to get back. So that's the first issue. And then the second issue is obviously Braden Ham. He left. It, it looks horrific, right? It, it, it was a horrific decision like to leave a, a Collingwood player on the wing when you were never going to affect the more kick is a fundamentally terrible decision. And it's, and we'll talk about transition defense later and it's endemic of our issue all year. Players don't know when to peel off and when to hold their man. And it just showed, it reared its ugly head there. It, it happened all the first quarter, but it reared its ugly head there with Braden Ham. The third issue, and I don't think this gets talked about enough. As soon as Braden Ham peeled off to put pressure on Moore, Andrew McGrath is the closest player to put pressure on Bianco. As soon as Ham peels off, Andrew McGrath needs to be peeling off to cover Bianco. All he was doing was standing in the middle of the ground, manning his guy. But that's fine. There's four Essendon players in that vicinity. McGrath's man can be covered. The danger is the Collingwood guy in 40 metres of space that McGrath could have got to a lot easier than Guelphie did, who had to change direction and leave his man at centre-half forward to get there. So fundamentally speaking, when you like the key of transition defence is know where the fucking ball is. And McGrath didn't know where the ball was. He was just tracking his man back in an almost an automaton line straight to centre half back. Turn around, turn your head 45 degrees left and realise, shit, there's a Collingwood guy in 40 metres of space. I've got to get there because he would have got there quicker than Guelphie. And the final one is Langford's effort to spoil. I don't care if you give away a free kick. He can't take that mark without physical contact. He can't. And I've heard, you know, Langford was injured. I've heard, I, oh, you know, he mistimed it. You know, he was delayed because he was checking to see what Brady Mindcheck's man did so he could peel off in time. He got there in time. I don't care if he gives away the free kick on Elliot in that situation. He cannot take the mark. Punt, he, he missed the ball and the player and he gets a... And despite all of that going wrong, it took a 50-metre goal from the boundary after the siren to win. So we had to make every wrong decision. We did. Collingwood needed to pull something out of their ass. They did. It happened. It sucks. I was blowing up like you wouldn't believe last night, but I had to just pull my head in because, you know, who are you going to blame? You can't blame all, all in one pa- person. Multiple people stuffed up. 
But I agreed something to what you said about the leadership issue, um, Dyson Heppel being off the field at that point. So I would prefer Dyson to be on the field, but I think Bruno made a really good point in one of the threads. I can't remember what it is. It's that if, an, you know, an eighth year Laverty and Langford and a ninth year Merritt and, a, you know, all, those, and all these guys and, you know, 10th year Shield need Dyson Heppel around to structure them up properly, if indeed that's the issue, then we've got a greater issue than Dyson Heppel. Now, I don't think that's the issue. I think we were trying to play man on man, which is fine until such time that Braden Hand peeled off Bianco, in which case we needed to shift and peel off to cover him. But I just feel blaming this on one person, be it Jones, be it Ham, be it Langford, it, it was incorrect. There were so many things that could have happened in that sequence of play to change what happened. Yeah, and you're exactly right. I'm probably a bit more forgiving of McGrath than you are. I have seen, I did see what you mean. I'm I'm probably of the opinion that I think McGrath was concerned that if he if he went, then the kick would come inboard. I know there was there's definitely there was coverage there, but I I could see what McGrath's thought process was. Um, but you are right in that. Once it became clear it wasn't get going to his man in the middle, he really should have turned and gone on to Bianco. There but, was yeah, good, um, there were good things in this game, so we should get there late in a bit. But sorry, you were about to say something. And I was just going to say the, the other the other couple of things which which could have probably gone our way and didn't was I think Harry Jones could have got a fifty again. It's tough. I think the umpire gave the, the Collingwood player the benefit of the doubt. I'll be honest, I was a little bit surprised about the free kick because I reckon he got rid of the ball. I reckon the ball was out of his hands before. Jones actually got hold of him, but that's neither here nor there. And the other, the other thing that 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 I sort of thought, I thought Elliot actually took the mark with about thirty five seconds left. So I reckon he probably should have been told to, to and I, and he didn't start moving till after the siren. So again, you know, could have called play on. So a couple of the small things could have gone out. It would have been a pretty ballsy umpire, I think, though, that would have called yeah. play on to Jamie Jamie Elliott for exceeding the shot clock. But they did do it on Friday night against Noah Bolton. Not quite the same situation, but they they did do it earlier in the weekend. So it would have been nice if they'd done it for us. But uh, yeah. if, if, if you're relying on if you're relying on a couple of you know iffy umpire decisions to go your way you probably don't deserve to win we should have won that game regardless i think there were multiple points for us to seal it uh, even like that dumb kick from shield with two minutes left to guelphie who was standing in space at half forward he dumb kicked it went straight to darcy moore and he bounced it back the other way like we could have really controlled the ball in that situation but like we're not making finals um you know some people pointed out to help our draft position i think that's a that's a bit of a quack um, to be honest, at this point, the difference between being fifth or sixth in a draft historically isn't that great um, in terms of the players you get. But we'll, we'll move to the positives because despite what we've talked about for the last 10 minutes, Bonds, there were actually positives. I, I thought, you know, like I said, we, we dominated contested possession in the first half for the first three quarters, sorry. And it really got the game back on our terms. It was something that we struggled with earlier in the year. And I thought, you know, Sam Draper was immense. He, Darcy Cameron and, you know, Mason Cox had been the flavor of the month in the media about how good a combo. Oh, should they trade Brody Grundy? <laughs> well, Sam Draper took them to the cleaners. And as you and I have been Draper apologists all year, it's good to see him finally taking games apart. It was good. I will say that I was a little disappointed with some of his ruck work yesterday. I, I liked his. I thought he was much. I thought he was sensational around the ground, but I, I just thought a couple of times Cox and, and and Cameron probably got some hit outs because he was too busy trying to do the special thing as opposed to just because his ruck craft is very good, and, and I think he just got lost a couple of times yesterday trying to take the ball out of the ruck or, or trying to you know replicate his, his amazing goal from last week in a way um so i think 
he's still got that. He still needs to pick when when to do that in the ruck. I think that's a that's a skill that will come. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he was he was much much better um, yesterday. And somebody else on on another, oh, I can't remember where I saw it. It might not have been on our forum, but I saw somewhere that somebody actually gave Phillips votes, which was a little bit surprising because I sort of looked huh? and went, <laughs> yeah, if, oh, like so, so. I mean, don't get me wrong. I thought Source was okay, but but Draper was definitely the, the, the dominant ruckman for us yesterday. Any other positives for you out of yesterday? I mean, Peter Wright seems to have found some form again, which was always always nice. Um, the one, the, there is one bloke I want to talk about, and 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 look, it was I think his third game back from injury for Will Snelling yesterday. Well, yep. Third okay. You want to talk about Snelling? That's fine. Yep. So what yeah, what were so your I thoughts think, on Snelling? I think I think that was I think it was about his third or fourth game back, and his defensive pressure yesterday was what. I think we expect from Will Snelling. So, so there's a lot of people who, who say he was off the pace, and, and ball in hand, he's still not the Will Snelling that we know, and this Will Snelling we we, we hope he can be. Um, he yeah, he had six kicks yesterday, and I'll be honest, I don't think many of them were great. He had 14 handballs, but he, I mean, he, he still he laid the eight, he led the way for tackles. Um, as did Jake Stringer, actually, incidentally, which I thought was, I think, is a good sign. I think if Snelling and, and Stringer are leading tackles, it means that we're putting enough pressure on in our forward line that the ball is not just going to ping pong out. And obviously, it didn't happen in the first quarter because we didn't have it. We actually didn't have a disposal inside our forward fifty in the first quarter, um, so the ball was clearly ping ponging out. But they they stepped up, I think, in the second and third and even last quarter to put that defensive pressure on. So I actually thought that. Those two in particular, and our forward pressure yesterday was was pleasing. Um, if you obviously remove the the first quarter and, and then that last thirty second run down the uh, round down the wing by Collingwood. Yeah, I'll, I'll I disagree on Snelling. I think his def- so he plays a role defensively, which is fine. He covers often covers Stringer or Merritt's man out of the centre clearance, a bit like Kane Lambert does for Dustin Martin, for example, before Kane Lambert retired today, which is a valuable role. But I said during the game that his panic under pressure cost us a couple of goals directly. There was one point where he got the ball in traffic and he just handballed it over the top of an opposition player to no one. The closest player was like a 15, uh, a kind little player within 15 meters of the handball. He just picked it up and waltzed back inside their forward 50 for a goal. And that was just one example. I'm not pinning one example on him as the the evidence of his entire game, but he did it on multiple occasions. That's worrying to me, like five games back, I think it is now. West Coast was his first game, which I think it was. You shouldn't be that panicky with the ball in hand. Like I know the game's quick, um, but he's costing us goals. He cost us a couple last week especially it didn't matter against the Gold Coast. I, I don't, so I, I'm trying to figure out, we don't have any better pressure players in the VFL, but you know he can't keep torching the football, which I think is a serious issue for him at the moment. No, yeah, and you're right. And that's why I said, you know, some of his disposals were a bit iffy, but I, I just think yesterday he showed defensively the the, the player we, we know he is and, and the player that we need because we, we have lacked that forward pressure all year. And so... I'm probably happy to give him a pass because I think he started to to show a bit more confidence defensively, which which I think will then translate into an offensive move. Um, the other bloke that I did want to also mention, and this is a guy that's probably been down on on form this year, but I think again he's starting to really 
sort of almost come back into the form we know, and that was Jordan Ridley again. Um, he led intercept possessions for us yesterday. He took a couple of really nice marks. And obviously, his, his his ability by foot is just second to none for me when it comes to the Essendon Football Club. So I was, again, happy with with how um, Jordan Ridley played. And, and and by and large, I was pretty happy with how our, our whole defense stood up. I did have a little bit of a smirk when when Mason Redmond took out um, Ginevan. Um, <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident that was a free kick, regardless of what your, 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 your feelings oh. are about 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 um jack you can't have somebody come through like mason with a swinging arm clock him <laughs> in the side of the head and then after and then after the con- additional contacts being made then tighten the arm around into a headlock and drag him into the ground regardless of whether you think he ducks or not that it's not open season on on a player like that and um i think the umpires maybe maybe have just got a little bit of a a little bit of a thing in for him at the moment and, and let's be honest he has built that he has built the rod for his own back, but it, yeah, it was. I thought it was a pretty, pretty poor um, umpiring move. And it, I mean, it, it, he didn't do it for the rest of the game, so it worked. But geez, it, it's risky. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not a genuine fan. I'm not a fan of anyone that openly admits that they play for free kicks. Cody Waitman's another one for the Bulldogs. But um, yeah, I watched that and I was shocked they didn't give it. Like the first contact was around the neck. Like normally. You know, I can forgive the umpire if the if it's on the shoulder and they shrug it up, but the first contact was literally around his neck. I thought there's no way that can't be a free kick. Um, it's sort of gone the other direction. It's almost too harsh on Ginevan now, which is hard to, to come back from that. I know Lindsay Thomas spent the back half of his career in that life, like just never getting a free kick because of what he did for the first part of his career. And you know, for Ginevan's sake, I hope that's not the case. Regarding Ridley, it's interesting. I think we forget how classy he is because he's been forced to play as a key defender at the moment which i still don't understand why we refuse to play an additional key defender i actually think this week's the week and we'll talk about the the north melbourne game later but i think yeah he he is the best kick in our team i think i think i said earlier in the year that merit's the best decision maker ridley's the best kick there's not a kick in his repertoire in anyone's repertoire that ridley can't replicate and he's an outstanding sort of judge of the football in the air and um, if he played in a team that had, you know, multiple key defenders, I think he would be just as effective as, you know, your Luke Ryan at Fremantle or any of those sorts of guys who get the Australian buzz at the moment. Um, he's outstanding uh, in how talented he is. And he's fighting above his weight um, division, really, in what he's defending. But that's just the way Truck's going at the moment. I don't think there was anything else. It was a weirdly umpired game in general. I thought Collingwood got the run of the green for the first 10 minutes and then we got the rub of the green for the second 10 minutes and the holding of the ball in the last quarter when typically they sort of put the whistle away they were hot on the holding the ball all quarter both ways or somewhere i was sort of surprised especially like that jeremy howe one i think he tried to bounce it and got tackled so that told the ball but there was one against i think it was john noble on our left forward flank with about five minutes left where he picks it up, gets decked straight away, and <laughs> they call hold the ball. It was it was a bizarrely umpired game, I thought. But you know, winners are grinners and losers will please themselves. Was there anything else you wanted to cover in that game before we go to take it or leave it? No, no, there's not. I think um, yeah, I think you, we it goes without saying that Zerrett and Shield Shield were um, she's I just called him Shield. I just did a a, a Dwayne Russell almost in Shields and Shield. <laughs> 
they were they were you know apart from the fact that they got torched in the first quarter they rebounded strongly we addressed it at quarter time it, it would have been nice if they'd addressed it earlier in the quarter but you know we got back in the game so yeah no I, I think yeah, the other the other one, one I, I actually know I'll, I'll leave that for um, our next segment so yeah yeah no worries well our next se- segment is uh, take it or leave it it's a game we've been playing the last few weeks where uh, we'll give each other a statement we have to say we're going to take it or we're going to leave it uh, depending on uh, where we sit, whether we agree with it. Um, I'll give you, I'll, I'll take the new ball, Bonsa, um, and then uh, we'll just take turns. Bons, take it or leave it. Are we shooting ourselves in the foot with how we use the sub? I'm, I am i don't think we're shooting ourselves in the foot as such. I mean, I think we're, we're not as bad as, I think it was Brisbane um, had a Ruck, Ruckman as their sub and <laughs> I took, I took a runner off and put a lumbering Ruckman on, which, they didn't make a great deal of sense. It didn't, didn't I think they ended up winning the game. Oh, that was against the Suns. They ended up winning the game anyway, so whatever. But it was, yeah, it was an interesting decision. Richmond, obviously, on Friday night, they used their sub very well, very tactically. I don't, I, <laughs> there is no way, there is no way that he, that he, uh, he should have been subbed off. Um, there's no way really should have come on the ground, but you know, that's just Richmond decided to use it tactically and, and why not? It's there. I think. I mean, Ham seems to have been sub for a while now, which I think is probably using it incorrectly. He is almost the sort of perfect sub player in that, you know, he can play on a wing or he can play half forward, whether or not you, you rate him as a player or not. But I think at the moment, to continue to use him as sub and not actually get him any game time in the VFL is starting to hurt. As we saw yesterday, his his match awareness is a little bit off now. He only had, you know, one one disposal in about... I don't know, quarter and a half of footy or whatever it was, or however long Mason Redmond came off the ground for. So I, I think at the moment we are using it incorrectly by continually picking the same person. Yeah, I think um, I, I I understand the premise of you want to give your young guys um, time in the VFL into the bit part today AFL level, which I think is the the reason we use the sub the way we do. But if we don't think Snelling's AFL level, then playing him for a half football is a risk we don't want to take. Um, I think we should still away with a sub in general. There's a cap on interchanges. The difference between four and five substitute uh, uh, players on the bench with a cap sub, I think, makes a minimal difference. But that's a story for another time. Do you have one for me, Bumps? Yeah, so this one's a little bit... Uh, I'm not sure if you've mentioned him the last couple of weeks. I'm sure you have mentioned him the last couple of weeks. Um, but I, I, I was a big fan of this bloke. Zerk Thatcher is now cemented in the best 22 for the Eston Football Club. Do you take that or do you leave it? I'm leaving it. Um, I don't think he's cemented. I think there are very few players in our team that should or deserve to be cemented. Um, whether he is or not, uh, I'm not. No, I don't know. I think his position could potentially be up for grabs next year with Reed and Cox both getting another preseason under their belt. I think we've admitted finally in the press that we're going to play Cox as a key position player. It only took them two years to realize what they needed to do. But yeah, I'm going to leave that because I think Reed and Cox are probably the higher priority recruits. And I think Zerk Thatcher, you know, the way he's playing and the way, you know, clubs know our key position stocks are pretty good. Someone might come calling for him, but then you had Aaron Brand as well. I think we've got so many young key defenders. I don't think Zerk Thatcher's locked territory. Um, take it or leave it, Bonsa. Dyson Heppel shouldn't be playing. No, I'll leave that. I think Dyson Heppel should still be playing. I appreciate again the fact that there's a lot of people that think his, his kicking has gone downhill and it, and, it, and it certainly wasn't up to scratch on Sunday. But I thought his, his last month before that was actually pretty good. And I think, again, it's a very reactionary statement to say 
that Dyson Heppel should be retired, as many people are, after one bad game. I mean, you know, you're allowed a bad game here or there. Unfortunately, his came against Collingwood, and, you know, as a result, we lost after the siren and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, I, I, as I said earlier, I think at the moment, some of the commentary surrounding Dyson Heppel is fairly lazy, i.e. David King blasting him for not setting up the defence in the last play, passage of play without realising that he was actually sitting on the bench. They got funnier every time I listened to it. Yeah, <laughs> so we're going to move on to quickly doing a preview for the North Melbourne game. Bonds, if you want to come back next week, this might be a chance to, <laughs> to come in for a win. North Melbourne absolutely pants by Hawthorne down in Tasmania on the weekend, a game that would make Tasmania want neither of those teams to relocate to them if that was the chance. You know, I, I tend to think this might, if we're going to play two key defenders, this is going to be the week. I think we might bring in an extra key defender in place of Redmond and play McGrath, Hind as sort of the smaller defenders. But, you know, what changes do you think might uh, happen this week and how do you see the result going? Well, before we talk about changes, I think we just need... I'm not sure if you've seen the news at all this evening, Grizz, but North Melbourne have actually been hit by COVID, of all things. Um, oh, just what they needed. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah. so so at the moment... So Flynn Perez um, is not playing for them. He, he got suspended, so he'll miss he'll miss the, the, the week, um, which is nice. Uh, Lee Adams um, and four players, including Paul Curtis and, and Callum Coleman-Jones, they haven't actually named who the other two are um, in the article that I read, but... They are have all tested positive after returning from Hobart. Now they reckon Adams is actually going to be available to coach on Sunday, which I'm not I'm not sure how that works. The only thing I can think of is is North maybe flew out of Hobart on Saturday because it says they tested positive when they arrived back in Melbourne. So the only yeah. thing I think of is maybe is did they fly out Saturday as a result? Um Adams you know, they all tested on Saturday, turned positive. Therefore, you get seven days. I think so. That would mathematically, that's the only way that works. So, and, Paul, and they are, yeah. Paul Curtis is a big loss for them. I think he's probably one of their sort of few shining lights. And Coleman Jones is good structurally. But does that change for you how you saw the game, or you thought we were a good chance to win anyway? I mean, I thought we were a good chance anyway, but it does sort of mean that if North Melbourne, at the moment, there's only four of them, so this could get bigger because obviously they were all they were all hanging out with each other. So it could turn into a, into a much bigger issue for North Melbourne. You know, maybe we just hope that someone like um, you know Davies Uniac or, or and uh, Cam Zerhar and <laughs> a couple of others of those blokes just um, managed to get themselves a, a little small dose of COVID and miss the game. That would be more than handy. Yeah, well. Oh, mate, they can't catch a trick. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of soft spots for North Melbourne, particularly because I, I don't particularly enjoy the company of their fans. But that poor club can't catch a trick at the moment. That's uh, take a trick, I should say. That's um, uh, yeah, that's pretty bad. I think we we're a good chance to win anyway, particularly that he had where Peter Wright tends to take them apart. But I think that we're probably going to win this. I think it's probably going to be a five or six goal margin. I don't think. Uh, they'll they'll come fired up after a big loss, and you know we tend to be their grand final, which I still don't quite understand, but you know it happens to be the case. So this won't be as easy as probably last week's uh, win for Hawthorne. But yeah, I think yeah, if ever there was a chance to play two key defender sets, this is the one. And I'm hoping that we might see a debut for someone like Jai Menti or or, or a Cody Brand who have had really good years or a really good. So Cody Brand had a good year, Menti's had a good sort of month in the VFL, and see them rewarded uh, in this game. Yeah, Aaron Hall's another one I've just read. Aaron Hall's a big loss for them, I think, um, coming to the back line. So they might actually, maybe they'll put Zebel down to get his 400 kicks in the 
in the back line that he likes to run around and, and get some cheapies. <laughs> no worries. Well, I think that might wrap us up for tonight. Bont, it's been great having you back, even if it's just for a week this time around. Um, apologies we couldn't get you in on a win, but uh, <laughs> hopefully if you want to come back next week, I don't want to jinx this, but hopefully we'll have one then. Thanks again for, for coming and joining me tonight. No, it's been a pleasure as always. And yeah, the only, the only other debut that I wouldn't mind seeing this weekend would be, I think it's a perfect time to maybe try someone like a Patrick Voss as well, because I think he's been in pretty good form in the VFL. Tommy Hurd? Well, unfortunately, I think that ship sailed. His, his form hasn't been all that great recently. Um, yeah, <laughs> he had he had the 13 touches and kicked the goal on the on the weekend. So maybe again, but unfortunately... Um, yeah, it's, it's they wouldn't pick him after he had his twenty odd touches. I'm not sure they'll pick him this week. Oh, if you want people to come to a four forty Sunday game, pick Tom Hurd. That'll get them out there. All right. Well, that'll that'll just about do us for today. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, if you want to tell your friends, like, subscribe, recommend us, that'd be great. And until next week, have fun, and enjoy the bombers. Oh, 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 oh,